I know you real, but I'm realer Certified West Coast kitty cat killer Yeah, I kill that cat, that's why she feel like that Ain't no trickin', man, I still got stacks Ask anybody, I'm a real-ass Mac And suckers like you gotta peel off racks and get Welcome in, welcome back, everybody How are we feeling out there? This is an episode of this show that I dreamed of when I started this channel uh, I always envisioned what it'd be like to have one of these shows, but I started to think for a while there it was never going to happen. Notre Dame gets their first win over a number one team in 27 years, knocking off Clemson in a thrilling, heart-pounding double overtime victory. Notre Dame and Brian Kelly and Ian Book desperately needed this game. They came through and they got it. Clemson players missing or not, it's the biggest win the program's had in almost 30 years. Nothing other than COVID and losing to BC are going to take away from it. Notre Dame gets their 23rd consecutive home win, moves to number two in the polls, completely controls their own destiny in the ACC, ends Clemson's 39-game regular season win streak, 28 straight ACC opponent victory streak, and 14 straight road win streak. It is indeed time to celebrate, but also learn from tough lessons of the past. Not to celebrate too much when you beat number one and you have Boston College coming at you next. We're going to talk about it, okay? This was show just under 200 for me on this channel. But in many ways, it may as well be show number one. Despite what people outside the program are saying, this win mattered. This win mattered a lot. Things have now changed. We can have different discussions now that were not warranted up until this point. I'm thrilled about it. Saturday night was one of the best nights of my life. We have a lot to cover. Let's talk about it. Let's go. We talk about respect. We talk about respect around the country. It's one thing that we want more than anything else, and that's respect. Welcome to the Always Irish Show. A whole lot of Notre Dame football and a little bit of everything else. You have to hitch up your child and say, hey, baby, here I am now. Let me see you run through me now. And now your host, you know him as the football Floyd that's often annoyed, here's Johnny. That's right. Welcome in. Welcome back to a knocking off number one edition of the Always Irish Show. Man, that feels so good to say. Thank you for joining me. As always, you can find me on YouTube by typing Always Irish. Hit the subscribe button. I do appreciate it very much. Twitter, you could type in Always Irish in the search bar or at JKZND4. Emails, alwaysirishnd at gmail.com. Thank you to all of you who've been emailing me after the game. I will get back to you. I haven't quite had time yet. Okay. Audio only. You can find me anywhere, wherever you get your audio podcasts. I'll be there. The merchandise link is live. It'll be in the description of the video. Click on it and get yourself some Always Irish knocking off number one gear. Okay. Like, sub, review, share, give it, give a link to your friends. Say, hey, this guy's a lunatic. I don't care what you do. I just appreciate the interaction, okay? Even for people who are saying this win doesn't mean anything because Lawrence didn't play, which couldn't be more incorrect. If you followed or know anything about Notre Dame, you know that's not true, okay? So let's let's get into this. And um, 
here's here's where we're going to start, okay? I often say, I say this a lot on this show. This is a show about the emotions of being a Notre Dame fan much more than it is a show about the X's and O's of football and schematics and all that kind of stuff. That's always been my angle because it's my personality, okay? So never was this more in play or the case than what took place Saturday night in South Bend. Um, I tweeted last Friday night that moments like this make me think of all the people who led me and you guys to love Notre Dame and be diehard Notre Dame fans. Uh, And it makes me think of all those people in our lives that have passed away between the last time we did something like this and now. And it was a long damn time. 27 years is how long this took. And so Friday night, I was just sitting there, you know, waiting for the stress of Saturday and and, and all those memories came back to me of friends and family that have, they're no longer with us, but that love Notre Dame and would have loved to be a part of this moment and taught us to love Notre Dame the way that we all do and, and why you're here listening to this video. And so in, in so many ways, that's who this win was for. That win was for the memories of those people in your life. And all of us have them. Notre Dame's something you don't just stumble upon one day. It's passed down from your dad, from your grandpa, from somebody, okay? This win is for those people. That, that's who it's for. Um, this, this win was for the people that were emailing me about suffering through COVID or lost somebody with COVID. That's who this win was for. Um, This win is for the people who message me that they have cancer and listening to this show and watching Notre Dame is one thing they can enjoy while they can't enjoy other things in regular life. Um, this, This win was for people whose loved one has cancer or they're going through something right now and really could use something something innocent some innocent joy to make their week better um this win is for all the people who message me because their dad's no longer here and they're saying this makes me think of him and how happy he would be and we would be together this win it was for all the people tweeting the celebratory videos of the last play jumping around with their brother, you know, their their dad, father, son. That's who this win was for. This win was for all those relationships, all those people, all those people we care about and love that are no longer able to celebrate this kind of thing with us. This win was for all those people and all those situations. That's at the crux what this is all about, okay, those relationships, that's who this win was for, okay? And so I don't think I quite realized the extent that this would go, but oh, since this game's ended, I keep getting email and email and text and text and call and call 
personal DM message on Twitter after message on Twitter of people with all these circumstances reaching out saying, damn it, I needed this right now. We needed this right now. That's who this win is for. And that's what it's really about. The football's the football. That's a vehicle for us to embrace these relationships, right? Like in so many ways, the closest I ever feel to my dad and brother are during Notre Dame games. We don't talk about other life stuff often, but when it comes to Notre Dame, we're never closer. That's who this was for. So I just couldn't be more grateful and appreciative for everybody that needed something like this in their life right now. We've been so loyal for so long. We needed this. And damn it, we finally, finally got it. And I feel like a 500-pound brick weight lifted off of me from 05 Bush Push, just every other big game failure over 27 years, all getting us to this moment. Um, And it's special. And I don't care what any other fan base says or downplays it because Clemson had guys out or not. I don't care. If you're a part of this Notre Dame family, like we all are, you know exactly what I'm saying and you feel exactly what I'm talking about. That's what this is all about. So that being said, let's just address this first and foremost. The haters are out in full force on this one, okay? Just like we called and we all knew was going to happen. If this isn't a surprise, we knew the narrative was going to be, if we win, you're going to get no credit from anybody and all, the, all these other fan bases because they're just going to say Lawrence was out, they had all these injuries, the win is invalid. Here's the thing of why it's different, though, of people hating on Notre Dame this time, okay? I'm completely fine with it right now. You know why? After a big win, you don't need to come up with some comeback. The rankings, the standings, and the scoreboard for Saturday night are the only comeback you need right now as a Notre Dame fan, okay? Usually... We're ripped after failing on the big stage and it's just piling on that we don't belong, we're nothing, blah, 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 blah. Being ripped after beating number one is fine. It changes nothing. So I'm totally cool with it. These fans of other teams can spend all night typing on their keyboard on their little iPhone doesn't change anything. We moved up to number two, the ACC standings. That has nothing to do with people ranking you. You win your games, you're up in the standings. Guess what? The independent team is number one in the ACC right now. Okay? So go ahead and hate on us all you want. It doesn't change anything. It's a lot different position to be in when you're getting piled on for failing and getting ripped than when you're getting ripped for beating number one. I'm a lot more tolerant of it when they're just mad that we actually accomplished something and they're all jealous their team didn't do it, couldn't done it, hasn't done it, okay? So I'm fine with this, but the one thing I can allow is if you were one of these people who said, I think it's going to be a close game 
and maybe Notre Dame wins, but then if Lawrence comes back later in December, that could change things or whatever. Okay, fine. But what I have a problem with is you couldn't, after they announced their injured guys were out and Lawrence was out, after that, there was still a bunch of people saying Clemson by 50, Clemson by 30, and all that kind of stuff. Now, that I have a problem with because you can't say Clemson's going to win by 30 even with Lawrence and these other guys out. Notre Dame wins. Then you want to come back with the injury thing. That doesn't add up to me. You knew Lawrence was out. You knew these other guys were going to be out. You still were on Twitter saying we are going to lose by 30 or lose by 50. How could you say that now that Notre Dame won, not give Notre Dame any credit? You obviously knew those guys were out and thought Clemson was still going to beat Notre Dame by 30. Now that Notre Dame wins, you're going to pull out the injury thing? Well, then you should have said the game's going to be close then because of the injuries, not still insulted Notre Dame and said they were going to get humiliated and blown out again. Okay? So that I have a philosophical problem with. If you were calling for a blowout knowing these guys were out, After Notre Dame wins, you can't say, oh, it's only because of the second string. You thought there was enough cushion that the second stringers were going to beat Notre Dame by 30. So you don't get to say that. If you said, oh, it might be closer now and give Notre Dame credit for playing a good physical game, that I'll listen to. But if you pick them by 30 knowing Lawrence was out, now you don't get to play the injury card. Also, along this vein, a lot of people have pointed this out to me, okay? Um, style, what is it? Underscore stylight on Twitter. He pointed this out to me as well. When Clemson beat Notre Dame at their place in that hurricane, in that classic game where we went for two and didn't get it, nobody said it didn't count when Notre Dame was rolled in there with their backup quarterback in a defense that was beat to hell. Nobody said that win didn't matter for Clemson. I don't even remember it being talked about that Notre Dame was on their backup quarterback for that game, okay? So if it's going to be good for you now, it has to be good for us then. Nobody was saying, oh, this win doesn't count. They were all banged up and had their backup in. So quick, how quickly people forget that that was the dynamic back then, and I didn't see people coming out saying that win didn't count. It was this classic big deal that everybody praised. Now that it's switched and it's on Notre Dame's side, nobody could give us any credit. And the best part is, it just doesn't freaking matter. It just doesn't matter. When you win, you win. You don't need a comeback because you won. We're finally in that position. It feels damn good. And so just because this is such a unique moment and so much has shifted in two days, I'm going to switch up the flow of the normal routine of how this goes. We're actually going to talk about some big picture stuff that's now changed with this win, okay? So what does this win mean for the rest of the year? One thing it means is with this ACC arrangement, you could possibly, if you're Notre Dame, lose to Clemson in the ACC title game if they get Lawrence back, their defense healthy, We could play them again, be competitive, lose that game, and maybe still have a chance at the fourth spot in the playoff. If Notre Dame takes care of business against BC, trust me, we're going to get there. 
because that BC thing is a whole. That's a whole different ball game that it, that we need to talk about and address. It's the elephant in the room right now. I know we're on cloud nine, but we need to get to that, and we will. But what this means is if Notre Dame takes care of business and rolls into the ACC title game with no losses, you could play Clemson close, lose, and maybe get that fourth playoff spot. That would be your first loss. You already have the, the win against them. As long as you don't get blown out, I think that's certainly in play. You figure Ohio State's going to have a spot, and you figure Alabama's going to have a spot. And then I figure there's two more up for grabs. That's a realistic possibility. The Big 12, I don't see them jumping Notre Dame in this regard. And I don't even know if the Pac-12 is going to play enough games to make that jump. So this is a realistic scenario that became available to us through this win and the ACC agreement that we have this year. Okay? So in regards to the Lawrence angle, here's something philosophically I just want to ask. Okay? In a rematch, say that Lawrence does come back and we play them in that ACC title game in December. Exactly how many more yards do you think he's going to have than the 439 we gave up to this kid? That's my question. That's the most passing yards Notre Dame's ever given up, and it's in a win against the number one team. You can't make this up. This is so Notre Dame. I, I just can't believe it. It's the most passing yards we've ever given up. Second was Carson Palmer, one of those USC games that I left at halftime at Notre Dame. I forget what year it was, but I literally walked out before halftime. I didn't need to see the second half. We were getting beat like 38 to nothing. I'm out of there. I'm not going to waste my day, okay? I'm there to see wins, okay? But that's my question. If you want to present the angle that if Lawrence comes back, that's going to change it. If this kid threw for 120 yards, then I believe that a lot more. He threw for 439. How many more yards do you think Lawrence is going to throw for than DJU? That could help Notre Dame if you really think about this, okay? Here's where I think that difference would be. Some of the decision-making, okay, and then third down accuracy. Some of those passes were a little behind I would expect Lawrence to be a little better in those moments. But as far as overall yardage, I don't see him throwing for more than 439. Do you? I just don't. I think that helps Notre Dame in a rematch scenario. So here's what I would expect should that take place in December. I would expect... Lawrence to not have more passing yards, but to complete some of the critical ones where DJU is a little behind the guy, didn't lead him right, whatever, okay? I do expect that to be tighter with Lawrence, and I also expect a better Clemson defense that's healthier and has six weeks of tape for Brent Venables, who did look vulnerable with banged up guys and everything else this last week. So I would expect a better defensive effort from Clemson the second time around with some of their guys back. But here's the thing, you guys. Here's the here's the thing. Notre Dame's now created a cushion we usually never have. The cushion is you could possibly lose a game in the regular season, still make the ACC title game. 
you could certainly play Clemson close in the ACC title game and lose and still have a shot at the playoff. The cherry on top is find a way to beat them twice, troll the ACC in the most epic way ever, and then peace out your way into the playoff, go back to independence, you rule the ACC. That's the ultimate dream scenario, okay? So there's a lot of things in play here that wouldn't be had we lost this game, no matter who was playing or not playing for the other team, okay? Here's the overall thing, though, with this rematch talk. The biggest point is, Notre Dame's physicality changes this equation. That's one of the biggest things we were looking for in this game. Unlike when we played, you know, Alabama, we knew we were outmatched men versus boys. The game against Clemson in 2018, there's there was still debate on whether we were out physical or a couple guys got hurt, a few big plays that got away from us. One of the big things all Notre Dame people were looking for here was Physically, can we match up to a top three roster in college football? There's no doubt Notre Dame did that. The way they ran the ball, the way they did not allow Clemson to run the ball, Notre Dame is physically capable of hanging with these teams. They proved it now. They proved it. I was waiting to see it. I got the proof I was looking for this week. Okay, that physicality up front does not change because Lawrence is back. Are we going to suddenly not be able to run the ball just because Lawrence is back? Physically up front, we won the day largely. That bodes well, and it isn't going to matter if Lawrence is there or not. The defense is still going to be physical and stop the run. And apparently, the offensive line, I always ask to prove themselves in a big game is more than capable of providing protection in the passing game, lanes in the running game. Okay, so that part of this, I don't think we were expecting. And if this ball game went different and we weren't borderline really elite on the the fronts on both lines, I wouldn't be saying that. But our physicality is going to make a rematch even with Lawrence Interesting in a way I don't think coming into this game we would end up coming out of it talking about. Notre Dame's a physical team. Even all these TV shows, the post-game wrap-ups, all that stuff. The number one thing they all mention without fail is Notre Dame is a physical, tough team on both sides of the balls of the ball. That's what we've been begging for forever in these big games. We finally got it, and I'm ecstatic about it, okay? So here's the other thing. No matter what happens from now on out the rest of the year, this is a win Notre Dame can live off of for a while. And maybe that's sad because it's such a big deal because they're so rare where they come by once every 27 years. But no matter what else happens, this is a win that's going to have major repercussions in a good way. I already have recruiting people telling me the phone's ringing off the hook now, okay, with guys interested in checking out Notre Dame, more interested in revisiting Notre Dame. I've already gotten text messages about that saying it's already happening, and it was happening yesterday, the day after the game, okay? You cannot understate 
what beating the number one team does for you perception-wise, no matter what, no matter who's injured or out or anything else, they were still the number one team. You beat them. It's going to help you in recruiting. It's going to help you perceptually-wise, confidence-wise. Everything around the program gets inflated when you get one of these victories, okay? The confidence of this team could not possibly be higher. They've worked for it. They've earned it the hard way, and I give them all the credit in the world. It's exactly what the program needed at exactly the right time. Here's my favorite part of this whole thing. This is my favorite part of it, practically, other than the emotional side of it. The best part of this is, in no way did Notre Dame come close to playing a clean game. And they still won. There was more margin for error there than I and many people thought. You had the turnover going into the end zone for either a first down or a touchdown. Probably seven points wiped off the board the way Notre Dame was running. Even if Ian Book falls down right where he is, you have three chances to pound it in. That's seven points. Two fourth and shorts, one on offense, one on defense. Those both killed us. Settling for field goals instead of touchdowns in the red zone. All that kind of stuff we needed to clean up. By the way, giving up 439 yards through the air is not ideal, especially against a freshman, okay? But you can't rip on it that much because we pulled it off. All the things I just mentioned are areas where Notre Dame needs to tighten it up and they still beat the number one team. That is the most encouraging part of this entire discussion. In no way were we almost perfect the way I thought we had to be to do this, and we still did enough to win. That tells me there's still growth in this team. That was not as good and as clean and as crisp as they could play. We made a lot of mistakes, left a lot of points on the field, and gave up a lot of points we shouldn't necessarily give up. Now, Clemson could say the same thing. Unforced errors, the ETN fumble we ran back, all that kind of stuff. They can say that too. They have more talent than us. So for us to be able to make the mistakes we made and still win this game, that's my number one takeaway from this entire situation. We played nowhere close to as good as we could play. And we beat the number one team. That's how you know you're growing as a program when you have that margin for error against a great, talented roster. Even with their guys hurt, they have more talent man-to-man than Notre Dame. Okay, they just do in recruiting. So that's the biggest takeaway for me. We did not play our best game and we just beat number one. There is still meat on that bone. There is still room for growth, all that kind of stuff. That's the big takeaway here, okay? So I cannot get away from the physicality Notre Dame played with on both sides of the ball. It's exactly, exactly what we've been begging for forever is that level of physicality. I absolutely am in love with it, and and you love to see it. Now, I even heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but multiple people sent it to me, something about ETN telling Dabo on the sidelines that this team just, they keep hitting and they don't stop hitting. 
I don't know if that's true or not or where that came from. Multiple people said that that was mentioned on the sideline from their best player, how physical Notre Dame was, and they kept hitting you and just kept hitting you. Total credit to Matt Bayless, Brian Kelly, the nutrition staff, every the COVID prevention people, everybody involved with getting this team to be more physical deserves major, major credit. None of this is possible without the total restructuring of that strength and conditioning and nutrition program. It all starts there and in recruiting, which, by the way, I expect to see an uptick in in 2022 especially. You could finish 21 strong off this. 2022 is, I think, when you're really going to see this win kick in. Okay, that's another thing. It's so short-sighted when people say, this win doesn't mean that much because Lawrence wasn't that. That's just not how it works practically in Notre Dame land. To people around this program, this was everything to them. And it's going to pay off. Okay, so 2022 is the year where I think you'll see the full effects of this number one victory. So total credit to Bayless, nutrition people, all of those people that work in strength and conditioning behind the scenes deserve major credit. None of this is possible without them tearing down and rebuilding that entire process. Okay, that needs to be said first and foremost. On to the actual game. I can't believe I'm going to say this. You know how I do my lists of what we need to see for a victory? Notre Dame did almost everything on my list that I said they had to do. Setting the tone, having a fast start. You can't have a better start than what we did. Kyron Williams, with his speed, good offensive line blocking, gone. Play two. Set the tone early. We did it. We're the ones who... Played good defense, got off the field, got the ball back, and went up by two scores. Should have been 14-0 if you're going to nitpick stuff. Fourth and inches, we're going in to go up 14-0. You just you can't do that. You, you just can't. But we got away with it, okay? We got away with it. Setting the tone early, not getting into one of these 14-0 holes. We look like we're sleepwalking. We have to come back. Nope. It was all flipped. We came out ready to play. How refreshing is that to say that we were the ones in a big game that came out ready to play, made a statement early of how this is going to be, what kind of night this is going to be. We're the ones who did it for once. About damn time. I love it, okay? We had to be able to run the ball. We ran it for over 200 yards against the number one team in the country, okay? Don't let ETN run wild. Well, I got news for you. Kyron Williams had a lot better night than ETN did. Okay, and we'll get into those numbers later. We held him down. Steal the score. Awusu Karmoa, the fumble, he returns it. Boom, there you go. You steal the score, just like I said we needed to. Big defensive plays when we needed it. We didn't get a ton of pressure on this kid most of the game. Then we get into double overtime. And we get the two sacks at the end that basically won the game. Unbelievable. Got it when they needed it. Clark Lee defense comes through again. Okay. Kicks made. We made our field goals. We made our extra points. I'm not even going to blame the 
57 yard field goal that was missed. Like you have to try it where you're at in the field. The kick was good. It was just a couple yards short. And maybe the unsung play of the game, stopping ETN on the run back as the half expired. If Bramblett doesn't get that, get him. Or if he jumps over him, everything changes. Okay. So good, decent job on special teams. We talked about receivers having to make plays downfield. We got that in this game. We got it. I I just, I couldn't be more ecstatic, okay? Willingness to even throw the ball deep and give our guys a chance. We got that, okay? So coming back after adversity, the third quarter, Clemson seized a lot of control, basically controlled that third quarter. Instead of going in the tank and saying, this is where the better team grinds us out, we kept fighting, kept fighting, kept fighting, came back, and we did it, okay? So, unbelievably, I'm thrilled. They checked off almost everything I had on my list. They did well enough to allow us to beat the number one team in the land. I'm just so proud for these guys. 27 years is forever in college football, This group had what it takes. The perfect blend of personalities, hard work, talent, whatever you want to say. This is the group that made it different. This is the group that changed the narrative that's going to help springboard the program, hopefully to even bigger and better things. This is the group. Congratulations to them. These guys earned it. I'm so, so happy for them. Okay. So, time to give full credit to Brian Kelly. Now, don't come at me and say, oh, John, now you got to take back all the bad stuff you said about, about Brian Kelly. He's still one in six in these type of games, okay? But this was the one he had to have. Time was running out to get it, change the narrative, and he got it, okay? So, it doesn't undo all the other silliness of Brian Kelly It doesn't make the other five games not embarrassing. But for now, gained a lot of respect and credibility for me. I look at Brian Kelly differently now. First guy in 27 years that's been able to accomplish this. So I give the guy credit for that, okay? Here's the other thing. Credit to Brian Kelly, okay? Full credit to Ian Book for getting this monkey off his back justifying his record with the three losses, but they're to good teams, okay? This was the biggest win since 93, and I got to give a ton of credit to Brian Kelly and Ian Book for pulling it off. Both of them take take so much heat, so much crap from guys like me. I'm the first one to say, I'm so glad you proved me wrong on this one, and you actually got it done. So both of those guys deserve a ton of credit for what they were able to pull off. Getting that monkey off of all of our backs after almost 30 years. More credit to those two guys than anybody else. Because they take the most heat of anybody with this program. They pulled it off. Congratulations to both of them, okay? So... On to Brian Kelly a little bit. Apparently now he's the prophet 
the, the players were talking about Kelly saying pregame, be aware because when we pull this off, the crowd's going to run on the field, and I don't want you guys to get COVID. Get the hell out of there. So, listen, I've questioned Brian Kelly's motivational tactics forever. I don't know what he did this time, but we jumped out to a two-score lead, looked like we were in control, knew what we were doing. It's exactly what we've been begging for. So for this one, I got to credit Brian Kelly. I don't know what he did different. I don't know what the message was. I don't know if this was more player-driven. I don't know, and I don't care. But for now, tip of the cap, good job, okay? Seriously, you guys, Ian Book is the ultimate tough guy fighter. I always say he doesn't need to be elite overall, but if he could just play elite in these big moments here and there, that's that would maybe be good enough. That's what we got here. He fought, scratched, and clawed for every single yard on a scramble, every single window to throw a ball in, everything. Most importantly, he overcame a brutal, brutal turnover when we were going into score. He could have went in the tank and said, that's it. I I blew the game. This is over. Instead, he went 91 yards in just over a minute against the number one team in the country and won the biggest game of the year in college football. He's a fighter. He's earned credit. And he's earned some extra respect from everybody, including myself. This was the one thing missing from Ian Book's resume. This kind of performance and win. He finally got it. And I want to give the kid a ton of credit for pulling it off. I I can't say enough about how gritty he is, tough he is, just never quit. You got to just give him credit. So Brian Kelly and Ian Book should have earned a ton of credibility and credit and respect from everybody, including the people who doubt them often, myself included. They got it done when it mattered most with everybody watching just like I've been begging for and asking for. They pulled it off. So for tonight... Full credit goes to both of those guys. Looking at some statistics, Ian Book, 22-39, 310 yards, one touchdown. Critically important were his 68 yards on the ground, scrambling, making something out of nothing. That's another thing we talked about him needing to do if we were going to pull this off, and he did it. He made the biggest plays when he absolutely had to Terrific grit and effort. Got to credit the kid, man. The kid the kid balled out, finally got the one thing his resume was missing to get full respect and credit from the Notre Dame fan base, okay? Travis Etienne, 28 yards rushing, 17 of them on one play. Unbelievable effort from the defense. Kyron Williams, 140 yards, three touchdowns, sets the tone early. He's special. He's special. He came out of nowhere this year, came out of camp. They said he's our guy. We all said, okay, I guess. He's special. That's all there is to it. He's special. His vision, 
his shiftiness, that move. Oh, it was so gorgeous. The move inside the hash and then getting around. Just absolutely gorgeous. He's a treat to watch. The offensive line's giving him space. Set the tone early. Unbelievable effort by Kyron. The O-line and Kyron, just they, they won the night. And so you can't give them enough credit, okay? 208 yards rushing for Notre Dame. They gave the offensive line allowed 208 yards rushing, and they gave Book time to pass or to scramble and figure something out. Total credit to the offensive line, backing up that we're we're the best offensive line claim. I needed to see it against the number one team to get on board with that idea. I don't know what to say. They've earned it. 208 yards rushing, gave Book time to pass. That's all I can ask for. Big-time winning effort by those guys. Total credit. Great job getting it done. Wide receivers, we said they had to step up. McKinley stepped up. Davis stepped up. Mayer stepped up. Skaronic stepped up. Tremble stepped up. All of them, all those guys did their part and made the plays when they had to make them to win this game, just like we said they were going to need to, but we didn't know if they would. They did it. Total credit to everybody involved. Here's something else, too, that I want to make sure I don't forget. The blitz pickups by the backs and the tight ends were phenomenal pretty much the entire night. When Clemson dialed it up and brought somebody, our backs and tight ends were picking them up, giving book time. That's the kind of stuff that's big-time winning football that we don't see enough in Notre Dame. It was gorgeous, and it came at the absolutely perfect, perfect time. So this offense, credit to Ian Book, 100%. The offensive line deserves their credit. The backs did what they had to do. Tight ends and receivers making big-time contested catches, getting yards after the catch. Credit to everybody involved. This was a big boy winning football effort. I couldn't be more proud of everybody, okay? Defensively, we allowed Clemson, the number one team in the country, 34 yards rushing, 34 yards. So I think they were averaging something over 200 a game or whatever against these dog ACC teams 34 yards rushing. They couldn't get anything going. ETN, what did we hold him to? What did he have? 28, 34 yards, something like that. Half of it came in one play. That's a hell of a job. That's one of the best players in the country, one of the best running backs in the country. Maybe aside from the guy we have is one of them as well. Shut him down to where it wasn't a factor. Now, We did allow 439 yards through the air, and we didn't get a ton of pressure particularly early. This is a negative and a positive. It's a negative because you never want to give up 439 yards passing to anybody. The positive is, if you get a rematch with them, do you see Lawrence throwing for much more than 439 yards? That's the big thing here where I see this being a positive. 
If DJU threw for 150, then you could go, okay, Lawrence will come back. We'll get that passing game going. The kid threw for 439 yards. How many more do you think Lawrence is going to throw than that? That does not change the level of physicality Notre Dame played with on both sides of the ball. They're going to bring that physicality again and probably be in that ball game even if Lawrence is back because of that physicality. That doesn't change just because he's back there. So that's super encouraging, okay? Two fumbles caused. We probably don't win the game without those. And the one being run back for a touchdown by Wusu Karmoa. Key plays. Stripping the guy, getting the fumble, intercepting the handoff bobble or whatever, running it back. That's just, that's how you win big games. Those little plays like that to turn into something big. But the most beautiful thing was two things, really. One of them was getting off the field at the end of the game. Clemson could have ran out the clock if they got a first down. The defense held tough, didn't let them run for it, and got us the ball back and saved the game. I am genuinely a little bit surprised Clemson didn't get a little bit more aggressive on second and third down in that situation to end the game in regulation. I know you risk the clock stopping if you throw an incompletion, but when you're running for no yards and you've already given up whatever 38, 30, whatever points it is to Notre Dame, I'm a little surprised they didn't at least take one of those downs, try and throw for it, which was working all game, 439 yards, and try and end the game, but they didn't. The defense held tough, got off the field, got us the ball back. That was key. But what I've been watching for probably legitimately five hours since Saturday night was that last defensive sequence to win the game in double overtime. Two sacks when you need them most, followed up by a boom hit by Crawford on third down, knocking that ball loose. So instead of fourth and manageable, it's fourth and 24. What a perfect guy to make that play, to make that perfectly legal, well-timed, by-the-book, beautiful hit to cause the incompletion. Nobody on our defense deserves that more than Sean Crawford. Total credit to him and the Clark Lee defense doing what they do. Sometimes bending, never breaking. That last defensive sequence is a thing of beauty and something I will be watching for the rest of my entire life. I loved it that much. This team just doesn't stop. They never stop. They just don't. They just don't. Carmoa, That's an NFL player if I've ever seen one. Nine tackles, two tackles for loss, fumble cause, sack, touchdown. You can't ask for anything more than that. Drew White, nine tackles, Hamilton, eight, Hayes, two tackles for loss. Just, just, it's it's just a joy. I'm not used to having not that much to complain about. Yeah, I don't want to give up 439 yards, but if you're going to only give up 34 rushing and win the game, I can't be that mad at it. I just can't be that mad at it. I just can't be, okay? So 
And then your special teams, they made their extra points. They made their field goals, stopped ETN on the run back, which could have changed everything. At some point, you felt like this Notre Dame team had to put it all together and change the narrative at some point. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. We finally got it. I couldn't be more happy for all of us, but more so for all those kids and their families, how hard they've worked, all the sacrifices with COVID, the risks involved. It's just, I'm not used to Notre Dame having it this good and being in this position. It's just an amazing feeling that I'm not, quite frankly, not used to, okay? So bear with me. Hasn't quite sunk in yet, okay? So what does this all change? What does this change? One is perception. Changes perception. It's not going to change the perception of internet trolls on Twitter and Facebook and all that. But for the people where it matters, there's already a perception shift. Every single college football after show was saying Notre Dame's one of the most physically intimidating teams in the country. That's quite the shift from the Notre Dame narrative in big games of the past, okay? We already talked about the ACC angle of this. Now Notre Dame's in complete control. You run the table, you'll probably play Clemson again, and then even if you lose, if it's close, you have one loss, Notre Dame might be able to make the playoff. You beat Clemson, it's the ultimate troll job to the ACC, you're in the playoff, okay? So... That's a pretty good position to be in. Think about it. You're going to have Ohio State in. They're not going to lose this year. You're going to have Alabama in. There's two more spots. I don't even know if the Pac-12 is going to play enough games to gain that much credibility or not. I don't see anybody from the Big 12 taking a spot. They all have losses already. So if Notre Dame loses to Clemson and it's close, they might get that spot. You're certainly not going to hand it to BYU playing nobody or Cincinnati playing like six games and playing nobody. That ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. Notre Dame's going to have a handful more games, and maybe their only loss, if they even have one at all, would be to that Clemson team. That's tough. The only way I think Notre Dame's out in this scenario is if they totally get blown out in that ball game with Lawrence back and I just don't know if I see that happening based on the physicality Notre Dame displayed in this ballgame. You could also say, what happens if Florida beats Alabama in the, the uh, SEC championship? They would each have one loss. Then there's some discussion there if that were to happen. The thing is, I just don't see it happening. I just see Alabama winning and then Florida has two losses. So there's a realistic possibility here, even with a competitive loss in that ACC game, Notre Dame could still be in the playoff. So this ACC agreement is all coming up roses right now for Notre Dame if we all don't get COVID from celebrating after the game. It's another big concern I have. And obviously we have to keep winning. Can't lose to BC. I haven't gotten there yet, but we're going to get there. Okay. So that's kind of big picture what this changes, it alters the way Brian Kelly's looked at. He's won a lot of games in the last three years. The one thing he didn't have was a win like this. Ian Book standing, 
This elevates his standing. He's the first quarterback in 27 years to get it done. I ride the kid a lot when he doesn't play up to standard. He did tonight on the biggest stage. You got to give him full credit, okay? Full credit. Recruiting, I already told you. It's a real thing. You might see the effects of it in 2021 with what we have left in that class. 2022 is when you're going to see the impact of this win. I've already been told it's making an impact. Two days later, I have people involved in recruiting telling me it's making an impact. Okay, So Notre Dame's going to be able to live off this win for a long time. You could be a fan of another team and not understand that or say that that's crazy or whatever. Maybe it's sad that it's such a big deal to us, but regardless, it is. It's a once in a 27-year occurrence. So you're damn right it's a big deal. Notre Dame could feast off this for a long time. That's why it was so important to get one of these no matter how it looked. Other guys out or not, you beat number one. Period. End of story. Nobody cares about Notre Dame's excuses when we lose and have guys out or whatever. You beat number one, you get credit for it, okay? In a lot of ways, this is a reborn new era of Notre Dame football. New credibility, new respect, new place in the rankings of where you're at, opening eyes to recruits. In a lot of ways, this is a new beginning and a fresh start for Notre Dame in the best and biggest way it could possibly be, okay? Now, that brings us to what's next. A lot of you lived 1993 and all the excitement that came with beating Florida State and losing to Boston College on a last-second field goal the next week, costing us a national championship, Lou Holtz's second one, okay? A lot of you lived through that roller coaster of the high and the low. I was about 9, 10 years old. What I remember most about it was I've never seen my dad so upset as he was with that Boston College game. The penalty when our guy was celebrating and they called a 15-yard penalty, let him go down the field, kick the game-winning field goal, beat us. They destroyed our field. They trashed our locker room. That's why no Notre Dame people have respect for Boston College. If you're younger and you weren't around for all this or heard about it, it's one thing to beat Notre Dame, number one Notre Dame on a last-second field goal at their place. It's a totally different thing to disrespect and trash their field and facilities, which is exactly what Boston College did. From that day forward, that's why nobody respects them, okay? So if you're too young to remember it, I don't know what to tell you, but it's if you're a Notre Dame fan of a certain age, you're on high freaking alert after going through that nightmare. The high of beating Florida State at their peak and Bobby Bowden, followed by losing to Boston College the next week. Okay, now it's different. It used to be everybody wants Notre Dame to lose because they're already not good or bad and we want to push them down and kick them while they're down and throw gasoline on the fire. This is a different kind of upset alert. 
This is your legitimate playoff contender type of thing. We have a di- we always have a target on our back. It's a different kind of target now, and that matters. Okay, that matters. What I expect out of this team is different with this kind of target on it than the other kind. The other kind was how bad's it going to get? Let's push them while they're down. Kind of like I'm doing to Jim Harbaugh in Michigan this year. That's what we're used to. This is a different target. This is the type of time where everybody else tunes into the Notre Dame game hoping that we lose so their team can get back in playoff contention. It's different. Now you have a target because you're good. That's the best kind of target to have, but it's an ultra dangerous one to have. But it is different. It's a different target than the one we're used to, okay? This is a new position to be in. We're not being beat down and piled up on. We have a target for winning, okay? Boston College knows this. Boston College is well aware and understands their history of playing us in these conditions. I guarantee that's being played up to the maximum right now within the Boston College locker room. Then you have the added juice of Phil. That's the added juice mixed into all this. Okay. So, fans... We can sit there and celebrate all we want. The players and coaches, I hope they celebrated their asses off Saturday night. Time to get down to business because you cannot allow what happened in 93 to happen here. It's all, it's in a way this should help Notre Dame because there's an exact roadmap showing Kelly can show these guys. Here's the highest of the high showing the last play against Florida State when we win the game and then show the agony of defeat the next week as that stupid field goal went through the goalpost as time's, time expired, okay? So everybody should be aware what's on the line here. Everybody should know what's at stake. The history's brutal and it's right there in front of you, okay? Right there in front of you. Here's what I think will happen though. I really mean this. This team will not sit back and celebrate and smoke cigars and drink all week. This team feels validated and confirmed of what they thought they were this year, but everybody else needed to see on the field before they'd buy in. This team now knows they're as good as they think they were. They've been validated. I do not expect them to come out slow and sluggish against Boston College. I think this was the beginning of something. I would be shocked if we came out sluggish next week. I know there was a physical toll taken playing Clemson. The energy of pulling that off and winning, I bet our guys come out ready to prove more. I think this was a starting point, not an end point. So I expect us to come out ready to play. There's no excuse not to if you're Notre Dame. The history's clear as can be, and it's not good. So everybody understands the dynamic 100%, and I expect us to be ready. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. 
Ian Book will never say this because he's too classy and he's too smart too because he knows damn well what it will turn into. Ian Book knows people like me have talked about him and Phil before. He knows that chatter's been ongoing and I think he has something to prove now and he's on a mission. I really do. He'll never say it because he's too smart and classy than to bring up that kind of bullet board, uh, bulletin board material. But I think Ian Book was reborn in a lot of ways Saturday. He got the one thing off his back that everybody held against him. Really the only thing you can hold against him. He's only lost three games, but they are the biggest three. Now he's got to win against the number one team. That's the one thing he didn't have and Kelly didn't have was a signature win like this. I think Book is on a mission and you don't think he wants to outplay Phil? So he's coming off the highest of highs, should be feeling a lot of confidence. I expect Ian Book to be on a mission and come out and play good again. Ian Book's a little streaky. He comes through these up and down phases. I think he's going to use the momentum of last week to ride into Boston College and play great. I would be surprised if he didn't. I think he takes this personally that every, that not everybody, a lot of people, myself included, were asking about should Phil still be here competing with Book, getting playing time. Ian knows all that. And I think he's got a point to prove now. And I expect him to play good. Okay? So... I think he'll use this confidence and play well. I also hope we continue with this game plan and playbook against Boston College, taking more deep shots, which we knew we were going to have to do to beat Clemson. It worked. It worked. We hit on a bunch of them. The one to Davis is the reason we won the game. McKinley, you can say it, touched the ground or not, went up and got it. Tight ends making big plays. Expound on that. We did it and it worked. Keep doing it. So keep running the ball for over 200 yards, but feel free to throw it now. We have guys willing to make plays. And if you made the plays against Clemson on the biggest of stages, I have no doubt you can make them against Boston College. Okay? So we can relax and celebrate all we want. The players and coaches cannot, okay? We learned a lot about this team and program Saturday. I would be shocked if this particular group laid an egg against BC and let this happen again. I'd be shocked. I think this is a starting point, not an end point. I think this is the beginning of the uphill, not the summit. And I expect us to play good against Boston College. I really do. Okay, couple game notes and then going over some other scores of interest from the world of college football last week. Number one is no green jerseys. We all thought we were going to see green jerseys and we didn't. Um, I really thought we were going to see them. If you're going to come out in blues and play that way, I don't care what you wear. Wear pink jerseys next week. I don't care if you're going to play that hard. If you're going to play that hard against number one team, wear whatever you want, okay? So I'm fine that they didn't wear the green. The other thing is 
the officiating and replay crew that did our game should never officiate anything again. I just, I don't understand. You don't see the face mask where the guy's head's turned around. That's garbage. You let Dabo tell the ref to pick up the flag for interference. Both of those calls could have lost us the game. And they were both horrific replays that take 10 minutes for dumb stuff and then other plays that should be replayed that aren't. The whole thing was trash. They just shouldn't have jobs. I don't understand how you could be at that level and be that incompetent and just slow with everything you did. That game took six hours, it it felt like. And half of it is for replays and the referees all together and then Dabo yells at him and suddenly the penalty didn't happen. Amazing how that happens. I wonder how that would have been if it was on the other hash on the Notre Dame sideline. That was clearly interference. They saw it through the flag. Dabo complains they pick it up. You got to be kidding me. You have to be kidding me. Missing the face mask in overtime could have lost us the game. That's one of the easiest calls to see when a guy's helmet gets turned like that. So disgraceful officiating, disgraceful replay process. All of it was garbage, okay? So where we're at right now is riding as high as I've ever ridden in my entire life of Notre Dame fandom. The only two things that could bring me down is if the whole team gets COVID from the on the field celebration, which by the way, I would have done 100%. If I was there, there's no doubt I'm wearing a mask, but I'm going on the field 100%. Personal choice, risk, reward to me and my life and who I am, totally worth it. I wouldn't even think twice. 100% worth it. I would have worn a Notre Dame mask, but I would have been out there 100% jumping and climbing on everybody. I don't care. I would risk death to celebrate this in person. 100%, no no qualms about it. And if I got the virus and didn't react well and died, what a way to go out. I mean that 100%. This is one of the few things worth me risking getting COVID for would have been to run on the field and celebrate. So I get why people made a big deal of it, said it was a bad bad look. Um, President Jenkins wrote a letter saying you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, well, then you shouldn't have been out there on TV at the White House glad-handing with everybody with no mask. So he's a hypocrite on that. That's why that message doesn't have any teeth because he did the same thing. It was fine when he did it. Now he's mad at everybody else. Give me a freaking break, dude. Not how it goes. So I would have risked it 100%, totally worth it, no questions asked. I, you could say that's stupid. I don't care. Notre Dame's who I am. That is one of the few things worth me risking getting this virus for. I would have been out there 100%. Okay. So the only two things that could bring me down is if half the team gets COVID from the celebration and this all falls apart because of it, or if we lose against Boston College. That's pretty much it. Right now I'm riding as high as I possibly could in regards to this program. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about some other games, shall we? Oh, you know what? Before I do that, let's finish this up on BC. 
Notre Dame's a two-score favorite against BC. Phil was okay. He they played one in seven Syracuse, beat them sixteen to thirteen. I didn't watch it. Kind of an ugly game, sixteen to thirteen over one in seven Syracuse. Phil threw for two hundred yards. So I don't really know what the deal was with it. I didn't watch the game, but they struggled a little bit against one in seven Syracuse. Now. I know you could say throw that record out when Notre Dame comes to town. Like, that's probably true. But I just I just don't see any way Notre Dame lets this happen. And I wish Phil the best every other week. Can't be this week. It just can't be this week. I wish him well every other game. It can't be now. So we just have to find a way to shut him down, do our job. Okay, on to some other ball games of note. Miami 44, NC State 41. NC State should have won that ball game, and it would have helped because currently Miami has one loss. If they could have picked up a second loss, it really would have helped provide more leeway for Notre Dame in regards to entrance to the ACC title game. Us beating Clemson, that kind of makes up for that because we don't have a loss. So we still have a little bit of a safety net. Ohio State 49, Rutgers 27. Ohio State's not going to lose in the regular season or the Big Ten title game. Pencil them into the playoff undefeated unless Fields gets hurt. He's had 11 incompletions the whole season. Unbelievable. I'm still a little surprised Notre Dame's ranked ahead of them at number two. But I get that the pollsters are saying Notre Dame has a bigger body of work, played more games, and their best wins against number one in Ohio State's is against Rutgers. So I get that. I don't think Notre Dame's a better overall team than Ohio State. I don't. But for now, I understand the reasoning. I'm certainly going to ride with it with us at number two. Okay. Florida 44, Georgia 28. Second loss for Georgia. So they're out. And then I just figure if Florida doesn't slip up again, Alabama's going to beat them in the SEC title game and Alabama will represent the SEC in the playoff yet again. Indiana 38, Michigan 21. I love it. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. They're a dumpster fire. They're a disgrace. That awesome Don Brown defense, that's the first thing you heard before every Michigan game the last handful of years. The great Don Brown defense. Now everybody wants to run him out of town. I love it. They were asking Harbaugh in the media today how much longer he wants to do this, all this stuff, and he got all defensive. I'm not answering that question, all this stuff. It's fantastic to see them fail so spectacularly. Uh, Oh, by the way, Penn State doesn't have a win yet this year. Love seeing them be a disgrace. The only negative with this Michigan thing is I don't know whether Wisconsin's healthy enough from COVID to play them this week or not. And if they do, I don't know if that quarterback's out of the 21-day window where he could play them or not. But it'd be really unfortunate if Wisconsin has to play with half their starters out due to COVID and Michigan somehow finds a way to win that game that I'm 100% confident they would get rocked in if Wisconsin was regularly up to par not COVID rattled and riddled, okay? So I don't know if that game's going to happen or not. If it does, I just hope Wisconsin has enough of their good guys. They can embarrass Michigan even further. It's a dumpster fire. It's a disgrace. 
I love every bit of it. Put it in my veins non-stop. Okay, another game. What's that? The Pac-12's back. USC 28, Arizona State 27. Here's the deal. In my opinion, USC still USC. A lot of skill, talent. They're soft on the lines now still. They are soft on the lines now still, and that's going to hold them back from their goals. Okay? So that's those are the games that caught my attention. Um, in terms of the rest of this week, enjoy it. Soak it in. We waited forever for this. There's nothing wrong with enjoying it. These times are so rare for us. I've never felt this kind of pure, genuine joy from Notre Dame before. I'm soaking it all in. And then we just got to hope we come out with that same fire against Boston College and ramp this thing up. What we did Saturday can't be the summit. It has to be a marking point on the way up. That's what I hope it is. That's how I hope this team approaches it. Beat Boston College and we go on from there. Peace out.